Everybody and welcome to the Energetic Principles Podcast. I'm your host, Melissa LaFera, an astrologer, tarot consultant, and all-around creative from sunny San Diego, California. And this is the 20th episode for the week of September 10th, 2018. So let's break it down a bit. Here's what to expect. The goal is to help guide and prepare you for the utmost awareness of the energy in the moment. For if you use the energy consciously, it has a better chance of working for you. I'll kick off the show with a weekly astro report, along with a few tarot polls and our animal ambassador of the week. Then a guest will join me in conversation around a chosen topic. And this week, I'm so happy to welcome back to the podcast, professional astrologer, herbalist, and timing expert, Lisa Allen, to join me in a discussion on catching up with Pluto. So before we get started here, please remember, as always, take what resonates and leave the rest, because only you know you best. So thank you so much for joining me today, and if you'd like to show appreciation for my work and get early Sunday access for only $1 per month, you can do so on Patreon at patreon.com backslash energetic principles. So let's get down to this week's astro report. Our lunar lady has freshly begun her waxing cycle as we are coming off of Sunday's new moon in Virgo. We start out the week with Luna moving into the social grace of Libra on Monday and where she'll remain before she glides into the watery depths of Scorpio on Wednesday. She hangs out in the sign of the Scorpion until late Friday until she saunters into the fiery, expansive sign of Sagittarius and where she'll make her first quarter position and remain throughout the weekend. So just a quick heads up, all time approximations are for North America. So if you live in Europe, add about eight hours. And if you are in Australia or the East, add about 17 hours, or basically the following day. And keep in mind that timing isn't always precise, as astrological transits, otherwise known as the connections that planets make, have varied emphasis as they apply and separate. So it's quite possible to see and feel the energy sooner or later than the exact moment of contact. Well, folks... We are officially moving forward this week. A plethora of sextiles and trines show that life is flowing and there's opportunity around to really make progress in the real world at this time. Venus may get her feathers ruffled a bit via Uranus, but only to help us open up to what is in need of liberation. And a first quarter moon in Sagittarius has us perfecting our form in order to hit the target. And with the last move of of Mars and Uranus doing their little square dance that's been happening, you know, that is on approach, not happening this week, but it will be happening next week. Um, But basically, we're going to be feeling that revolutionary tone that's embedded, um, you know, in kind of this first uh, half of the lunar cycle, um, which is really pointing to the fact that change is once again in the air. So let's waste no time and dive right in. On Monday, we start out the week with the moon in Libra, and she will make a trine to Mars and then a square to Saturn. Um, And of significant note, on Monday, we have Mars, who is officially moving back into Aquarius. 
And our warrior Mars, you know, he's crawling along at a snail's pace right now after his direct station from a few weeks prior and is officially moving back into the air sign of Aquarius, where the backwards motion once began. So we are revisiting some territory we have already tread, inviting the idea that progress may be made in areas that were experiencing hiccups throughout the summer. Mars and Aquarius can have us focusing our energy on more societal concerns, suggesting that we could be in for another period of protest in the public sphere as Mars inches towards a sextile with Chiron and Aries, and most importantly, the third and final square with Uranus and Taurus, which will officially take place next week. And I will remind people, and I think I mentioned it on the podcast back in mid-May when Mars moved into Aquarius, that the last time Mars entered this zone was the night of the 2016 U.S. presidential election, which had Americans immediately taking to the streets. So it wouldn't surprise me if we are, you know, there once again, because Lord knows there's plenty to protest these days. Um, But people will act on their unique intellectual conclusions, and some erratic behavior can be expected when Mars is in Aquarius. However, with Aquarius being a sign that conceptualizes the future, we can now direct our energies into the mental tasks that set up what is to come, becoming innovative excuse me, innovative, (laughs) with our approach after having a few months to figure out what might not be working for us any longer. Now we can experiment and take action on our progressive outlooks, becoming a trailblazer and revolutionizing our own lives uh, in the process. Mars will not leave his retrograde shadow period until October 7th and the sign itself until November 15th, um, which just happens to be after this year's elections. Oh, universe, you always have something up your sleeve. (laughs) Um, So the bottom line from Monday is, is that we are seeking harmony and interaction with others today with the moon striding into Libra. However, if things are off balance, it will be more than apparent. There is a nice flow of energy to get things done, particularly on the mental or communicative sphere, and working with others in partnerships or teamwork can flow. However, that square to Saturn later in the day may put some sticks in the spoke when obstacles present themselves. Authority figures can be harder to handle and others maybe become inflexible to work with. You know, those partnerships that were once flowing hours ago (laughs) become a little bit rough. Um, But you could chalk it up to the stars and, you know, if things get in your way, uh, you can resume tomorrow once those roadblocks have cleared. Now, on Tuesday, the moon is still in Libra and will make a square to Pluto. Um, And we have some things going on that day for sure. We have the sun making a sextile to Jupiter. We have uh, the sun also making a trine to Pluto. And then Jupiter is making a sextile to Pluto, which is all happening on the same day. So in order to save a little time here, I'm going to lump these transits all together. And so the sun, you know, represents our life force, our vitality, you know, the self, the conscious understanding, Um, you know, essentially turning a page. When we have significant sun transits, we are turning a page in life. And because we have sextiles and trines here, we have opportunities, you know, we're opening doors to new things. And with the trine to Pluto, we're basically, you know, that energy is flowing. There's no obstacles in the way and things are developing at a rapid speed. And so what is that that's developing? Where are those opportunities? Well, you know, Jupiter really represents our experience 
expanding, you know, expanding the worldview that we look at and how we can grow in life and, you know, move forward. And Pluto brings us, you know, kind of that cliche transformation. Um, But essentially it brings up kind of instinctual material to work with and a lot of times situations that cause great change in our lives. Um, So you can put those two things together with that Jupiter sextile Pluto and see that, you know, we are expanding in a way that brings change. And luckily it's an opportunity. Um, And so, you know, the opportunity, basically the opportunity for creative change is knocking at our door right now. uh, As Jupiter in Scorpio makes a decently rare sextile to Pluto in Capricorn. It's not every day that these slow movers get together. And really this is the last aspect between the two that will happen until the conjunction occurs in 2020. So let's make use of this time and walk through the doors that are now opening. This week could certainly show movement in a decade-long cycle, adding yet another layer to our personal storybook. And with the Virgo sun in a sextile formation with Jupiter and a trine to Pluto, we are fully aware of the changes that need to be made um, and the opportunities that may, you know, that we need to grab them. And luckily, we have the vital energy needed to move with this current. I feel also that this signature really speaks to some of what we faced in July's solar eclipse as the sun and moon opposed Pluto and made a trine to Jupiter, challenging us with the honesty needed to decide where boundaries needed to be shifted and what truly needed to change or, and or be renovated within our lives. And now all these planets are in harmonious configurations, uh, and those decisions can lead to progress on the earthly plane while allowing us to grow up emotionally in the process because, you know, Pluto touches some instinctual material and Jupiter in Scorpio was like kind of, you know, grow up a little bit, (laughs) or at least that's the way I looked at it. Um, And so we have things flowing this week, most certainly. So the bottom line for Tuesday is, is that change is in the air and we may have been feeling it the days prior as the Sun, Jupiter, and Pluto all talk in a harmonious configuration. A midday square to Pluto can bring up some instinctual material that creates a bit of tension and uneasiness, particularly in relating with other people. Take a good look at whatever gets your goat as this can be valuable insight into your own unconscious. The Sun is trying to make us aware for our own growth. So take the time to bring any triggers to the light. Now, on Wednesday, uh, we have some things going on. (laughs) We've got a very active week. Um, But of note on Wednesday is we have Venus making an opposition to Uranus, who's retrograde, and Venus also making a sextile to Saturn. Um, And as far as the moon is concerned, the moon is in Libra and will make uh, its way into Scorpio about midday here in the U.S., and along the way will square Mars, oppose Uranus, conjunct Venus, and sextile Saturn. So the moon is on on course to touch many planetary bodies this day. And so let's get back to that Venus opposition to Uranus and the sextile to Saturn. And so Venus um, is our relating principle. And if you'll remember from last week's podcast, she has officially moved into Scorpio, the sign of her fall, um, and where, you know, things can get a little intense in the relationship department. <laughs> um, and Venus is just that. It's relating relationships, um, finding balance and harmony within our lives, being more receptive or able to open up to something, um, and basically our social lives. 
And so the opposition with Uranus, you know, because if we think about an opposition, uh, we're usually having an outside force that is calling upon a choice or a decision to be made, or there's a bit of indecision or a kind of a tug of war between the two planets that are in opposition to each other. Um, But the beauty there is that we can get a bird's eye view and understand things if we can rise above and look at it. And so what are we trying to understand here? Well, that is Uranus. And Uranus is, sometimes you can't understand that because it happens very fast. Um, And it's just a feeling within us or just energy within us that needs to be liberated in some way or freed up. Um, And a lot of times awakenings can happen when that energy is accessed which can then lead to sudden storms because, you know, we're confronted with something. Um, But we also have the Venus uh, sextile to Saturn, um, and sextiles bring opportunities, or they open the door for us. Um, And Saturn, what what are we opening the door to? Well, you know, consolidation, uh, commitment, uh, structure, responsibility, the long term, you know, because that, when we're thinking about relationships, that could be very important there. And so, Putting these two together, I have a feeling that Venus may, you know, go on a bit of a roller coaster ride at this time as relationships can prove to be a little unsettling or strong emotions may arise to cause shakeups in how we relate to others. At its best, we are ready to open up and innovate our lives in a way that brings back the balance and harmony we are looking for. And with Venus now in Scorpio, her relating style, you know, can get rather intense and brooding, like I was just saying, (laughs) you know, with kind of a creative yet destructive bent. So you may just want to say, you know, forget you to somebody and, uh, you know, or really anybody that crosses your path at this time, you know, because it's kind of easier to create enemies when that Scorpio energy is present. But be aware that Venus is not in her nicest of placements. So you don't necessarily want to risk everything you've created uh, if there is still more to share with another or, you know, that's, that's where that's creative yet destructive because... Uh, Scorpio can um, can kind of lose it sometimes, and just it's easier just to kind of blow up and go and go there. Um, but you know that is not always for the best. But at the same time, if a relationship needs to morph and change into something that is better for the long term, you know, with that sextile to Saturn, um, you know, basically that sextile will be a, a immense help in the process. Um, But either way, things are shaking on a day like today, and rebellion is in the air. And by the end of it all, I have a feeling we will have found the patience to kiss and make up. Um, Yeah, in order to do that, we may have to allow for the vulnerability of intimacy and true connection first. Um, And, yeah, so that's the relating side. But really, too, you know, I... For any of you creative artists out there or or people that uh, work in creative fields, this can actually be... um, a time where something unique could come to you that you're able to kind of structure and, and get down on paper or have it like kind of all come out really fast. So that's a little added side note I'll throw into there for all you creative um, folks that work in creative arts. But the bottom line for Wednesday is this is a two-part day that I think starts with a bang but then settles down into a harmonious energy or at least as harmonious as Scorpio can get. <laughs> Uh, We kick off the day with the moon still in Libra, yet she moves to Scorpio, enhancing that deeper emotion, you know, that we all carry within us. And the fact that Venus is getting her feathers ruffled with that Uranus opposition, you know, sparks could certainly fly and be potentially destructive. 
Um, and revenge may sound entertaining, but trust me, it's not worth it. <laughs> it's not worth the trouble. Uh, so if you find yourself irritated or restless, see how you can lift your energy and rise above, finding liberation in the process. The conjunction to Venus and sextile to Saturn will help to stabilize the energy later in the day. Uh, so if you have relating woes and you uh, need some time to yourself, you know, with that sextile to Saturn, you have the opportunity to do so, um, or you can take the opportunity to do so. Because it's always good to remember that the only person you have control over is you. Now, on Thursday, we have the moon blazing through Scorpio, and she will make a sextile to Mercury, a trine to Neptune, a sextile to Pluto, and then a conjunction to Jupiter. And of note that day, we have Mercury making an opposition to Neptune, uh, who is retrograde in Pisces, our Mercury in Virgo. And so Mercury, you know, how we uh, perceive things, how we, you know, the mental process, information, um, communication, and how we uh, distribute things or make transactions in life um, could be a little foggy at this time as we have this opposition to Neptune, because Neptune relates to things as confusion or the removal of boundaries or, you know, of doubt, Um, But also spiritual inspiration, you know, we might be inspired by something at this time. And so with the mental faculty encountering that kind of nebulousness of Neptune, midweek could bring a dash of confusion and a sprinkle of doubt our way as we are faced with a picture of things that can be a bit hazy, much like that mirror when you get out of a long shower, It will clear, uh, but you kind of have to open the door first and, you know, let that air flow in in order to do so. And luckily, the the weekend will bring opportunities to do that. Yet in the meantime, our minds may want all the details, yet we'll have to rely on faith to put us at ease. With Mercury in the purifying sign of Virgo, this can also be a time where we come to the reality that something in our lives is in need of surrender. Um, And maybe that has to do with a particular ideal that we carry. Um, And due to the fact that it is an opposition, others outside of us are likely to bring about the conversations of what needs to be, uh, you know, what needs to be let go of or maybe looked at a different way. So try not to perceive yourself as a victim in a situation as life will blossom beyond whatever is in need of release. Um, And it's more than likely they're probably doing you a favor. You know, whatever comes to your attention um, is will be doing you a favor in the long run. And chances are, last week's Sun-Neptune opposition already made us fully aware of what needs to go. So all this may or may not be a surprise. And as nature abhors a a vacuum, once we surrender to what is, the inspiration of what's next will begin to flood in. Because keep in mind, we're talking about Mercury. It's more of an intellectual process and understanding. Um, So the bottom line for Thursday is, is that the intensity of a Scorpio moon continues. However, we are better working with the energy today. With Mercury opposing Neptune and the moon chiming into both, we are confronted to surrender mentally to the transitions taking place and the emotional material that goes along with that. Examining deeper instinctual motivations bring about uh, opportunity for understanding the self and others. And once the moon conjuncts Jupiter, we are likely to be accepting of the shifts or perhaps ready to transform the situation ourselves. 
If you find yourself a little confused today about what to do or overly idealistic about what should happen, you know, quote unquote should, (laughs) it is par for the course. Um, But use that Scorpio moon to see through the BS, you know, because Scorpio energy has that bullshit detector on. Uh, so you can really waste no time aligning to the higher road if you <laughs> if you kind of turn on that detector. Now, Friday, the moon is still in Scorpio, but will make her way to Sagittarius uh, later in the day. Um, and will also make a sextile to the sun and then a sextile to Mars. And so here we have another two-part day as Luna finishes up her dynamic tour through Scorpio and moves into the optimistic sign of Sagittarius. Life lightens up a bit with our sextile to the sun and Mars, allowing us to get some clarity and lift out of whatever conflict we've encountered. Energy flows nicely through the day and we can get some things done with that laser focus of the sun in Virgo and the moon in Scorpio. And, ha- you know, have a little fun in the evening when that moon moves into Sagittarius because chances are we'll probably need to, like, let loose a little bit um, <laughs> after, after the week, you know. Uh, we'll just kind of want to kick back, relax, and have a good time. Now, on Saturday, the moon is fully in Sagittarius and will make a square to Neptune. Uh, And Mercury will be adding uh, more uh, contacts to her already, um, to the one she already made with Neptune. So on Saturday, Mercury trines Pluto, who's retrograde, and will also sextile Jupiter. So basically, Mercury is uh, on the coattails of the sun, Um, and is following along uh, the same path. So where the sun just made the trine to Pluto and the sextile to Jupiter earlier in the week, now Mercury comes along for us to kind of understand that. And so once again, we're dealing with our thought processing, the processing, the intellect, you know, how we communicate and such like that. Um, And, you know, those trines are, that trine is sudden and flowing and there are no obstacles in our way. And that sextile to Jupiter creates opportunities. Um, So once again, we're we're getting into this kind of uh, changing landscape and this opportunity for growth. And with Mercury moving at rapid speed and into the place of the sun, you know, that the sun just occupied just days ago, um, you know, technically Mercury sextiles Jupiter on Sunday here in the U.S., yet I thought I'd group these two together as it, you know, it's a likely configuration will be felt throughout the whole weekend, you know, especially since the sun was already there. And I love how Mercury is picking up the next leg of the Pluto-Jupiter story, and especially with the sextile to growth-orientated Jupiter, you know, because essentially Mercury has encountered Jupiter three times already in some tense interaction (laughs) with the um, back in that August retrograde cycle. Um, So getting the mind and the heart on board with the changes that were brewing while also looking at how much we could realistically take on may have proved challenging. Yet now we will see the opportunity this adjustment in perception can bring. Luckily, the fog has cleared from the opposition to Neptune a few days ago, allowing Mercury to get, you know, increasingly clear on its perspective. And communications can now lead to new doors opening up, especially with that sextile to Jupiter. And as long as we're willing to be flexible with our approach, you know, we can kind of walk through and and entertain that energy. Luckily, the mind is critically oriented while in Virgo, so we will be getting an accurate and rather detailed picture of what is on offer and may even find ourselves obsessively focused on the specifics, but in a good way, like we're trying to figure it all out. 
Intense and or meaningful conversations can happen at this time rather easily, um, allowing us to go deeper with whomever or whatever we connect with in order to move beyond. Um, And, you know, we might actually feel this more during the Scorpio moon because that's kind of when those connections can be made. So keep in mind with that. Um, But, you know, basically we have a keener look at the big picture now that we have that moon in Sagittarius and the intelligence to look at the micro and the macro at the same time, because that's not always easy to do. You know, we tend to focus on one or the other, but I think uh, this weekend helps us to see both. Um, And because, you know, basically with a first quarter moon in Sagittarius that's coming along the way, we have, you know, it's. This weekend is bringing some sort of learning experience or kind of a new sense of philosophical understanding about life. Um, so open up to, you know, you know, what's trying to be communicated to you. But the bottom line for Saturday is, is by, by the weekend, we may just want a little escape and the square to Neptune may trigger that desire. Um, and there's the potential to go overboard with intoxicants. So be aware when you're kind of throwing them back this week, uh, <laughs> this weekend, um, But talks about the big picture may arise, and, you know, because Mercury's trining Pluto and Jupiter, so you can certainly go deep, um, and probably maybe even philosophically deep about some things. Uh, So if you want to share your vision about what is next on the horizon with another, today can present that opportunity. Now, last but not least, after quite a busy week here, (laughs) um, Sunday we have our first quarter moon in Sagittarius, and the moon will square Mercury and then square the sun, which is our first quarter. And so for first quarter moon, you know, first quarters are always pushing us into action as the moon is waxing in light and growing ever more visible in the sky. And through tension, um, that can create, so basically tension can create challenging conditions. Um, And we are kind of forced to move forward or turn a corner um, in our monthly lunar tale. And I think that the energy of this first quarter has us embarking on the next chapter of our story and what we are doing to expand our horizons to get there. There may be opportunities to get out of your comfort zone and experiencing something that is foreign to you. And I have a feeling we will be focusing um, our archer's arrow on the goal of the month. And the Virgo sun challenges us to perfect our form before we strike because we may know where we want to strike, but in order to hit the bullseye, we are going to have to make sure that our form is dead on. And as every good Sag knows, it's not about the destination. It is about the journey. And so if tension arises, look at your philosophy on life or the belief systems that may cause you stress and see if that is what is disrupting the flow. It wouldn't surprise me if there is some energy in the public sphere that focuses on religion or the news media at this time, um, which can create some heated discussions or even protests, like I had mentioned earlier. Uh, We shall see how that goes, (laughs) especially with that Mars-Uranus square brewing. But the bottom line for Sunday is that nervous energy may be brewing with the square to hyper... Trying to get it all out at one time, people. My my slow mercury doesn't move as fast as my brain does. <laughs> oh, let's let's back it up there. So basically, nervous energy, which is kind of funny now that I think about it, but nervous energy may be brewing with that square to Mercury in Virgo, because Mercury in Virgo can be hyper aware. And, you know, we have that first quarter moon in Sag, and Sagittarius can be very restless as well. So there is just like kind of a restless 
nervous type of energy that could be happening on the in the weekend, especially on Sunday. And everyone may be chatty, you know, like chatty Kathy <laughs> all day long, uh, expanding upon the details in a way that can be exhaustive. Um, yet if we focus that mental tension within the perfection of our form, you know, like I spoke of earlier, we can improve ourselves in a way that helps facilitate the changes that are in motion. Uh, this could be an excellent day to try a new approach because why not? What do you got to lose? And so to wrap up this crazy week, <laughs> all the stuff going on, good Lord. Um, but, you know, basically life is moving forward this week and changes here whether we like it or not. And so going with the flow will be of utmost importance because the universe has its own agenda and there's no stopping now. So buckle up and enjoy the ride. So now let's take a look at the cards because they always add another layer of interpretation to what I talked about earlier. And so this week I drew the High Priestess as the focus and the Eight of Wands as the grounding. And with the High Priestess as the focus, we are getting a glimpse behind the veil this week with an all-access pass to the wisdom, knowledge, and understanding that lives in the very center of our souls. Listening to our intuition and learning to trust that inner directive will be of importance this week. The divine is speaking, and it is our job to listen and take heed. Any puzzles we are now up against can be solved via that intuitive faculty and our own instincts. As the priestess is the ultimate symbol of receptivity, open yourself up this week and receive the power she has to give. By surrendering to receive, we open ourselves up to the power that is hidden below the surface. And all that really speaks to uh, our Plutonian and Neptunian uh, influences that are going on this week. And with the Eight of Wands as the grounding, we can certainly expect sudden movement and change this week. And I think we have already come to that conclusion, yet the good old Eight had to show itself and seal the deal. This is a card that reminds us to be at the ready as life is flowing and it's time to rise to the challenge and jump towards whatever calls to us. Basically, it's a do it and do it now kind of vibe. Because life is clearly communicating, and if we pay close attention to the signs and symbols, you know, they will show themselves to us. And so surprising news can be on the scene rather quickly to redirect the course of events, so be ready to shift with whatever arises. Use the instincts of the high priestess and waste no time, as opportunities like this don't always arise. Now, last but certainly not least, this show is brought to you by this week's animal ambassador, the giraffe. This even-toed mammal shows up this week to lend us the foresight needed in order to see what is in store for the future. Being the tallest living terrestrial creature, the giraffe has the ability to see far into the distance. In line with the Jupiter transits this week, we are gaining that big picture and have a better layout of the land we are now walking upon. Our dear long neck is also reminding us that if we don't consider the future implications of our actions, we may suffer the consequences of living too much in the present. Both are equally of importance, so find a balance between the two. Set your intentions and get clear on the plan while we have this rare glimpse into what is to come. 
Now, if you would like to go deeper with the energy of the week and how that will interact with you personally, I encourage you to check out my tarot subscription on Patreon. And it doesn't matter if you're just learning how to read the cards or you're a seasoned expert. Uh, it can be of great help uh, as we connect with the astrological transits of the week into purposeful card placements. And so I do it myself every week. I have some uh, loyal participants who also do it as well. And we all find it very helpful. Um, and it's not that expensive. So if you are curious, I welcome you to come down and give it a try. I also provide weekly tips and tricks on how to read tarot, and uh, the subscription also includes my moon horoscopes and early access to the podcast. So, you know, there's plenty on offer. And so last week, we worked on laying down a lasting foundation, and this week, we'll be working on blazing new trails. So if you want to find out more, you can check out a freebie spread on Patreon at patreon.com backslash energetic principles. Okay, now let's meet our guest. All right, I'm so happy to welcome back my special guest this week, Lisa Allen. Thank you so much for being here. I am so happy to be back. Yay! Yay! And Lisa, Lisa is a local here in San Diego, and she was on a previous program when we talked about the lunar eclipse in Aquarius. So we'll catch up on that, uh, of course. Um, but Lisa, for those who didn't get a chance to listen to that episode, tell us a little bit about yourself. Hello. So I'm uh, Timing Magic is my uh, website, and I have been an astrologer since, well, studying since 1993, a professional since 2000. And I'm also a tarot reader and I am a trained herbalist also. And I got more into the healing part of the practice also. But I found out that my true gift about why everybody comes to me is timing of things Mm. and even to change timing if it needs to be changed. Mm. So well, that's, that speaks that's, to the Capricorn. That's why I have the timing. So, and then I have um, a book coming out with Llewellyn on timing. Um, I have a book contract and it's supposed to be out in 2020. Mm. Um, it does not have a title yet. <laughs> so, well, there's plenty always of time. an adventure. There's <laughs> yeah. oh, plenty of time. Plenty of time. Well, we say that now, but Saturn will sneak up on you and you'll be like, ah, what? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I've been loving Saturn and Capricorn. And let me tell you, as a, a quadruple Capricorn, I've been waiting for this. <laughs> yes, this is your moment. This is my time. Yay. Yeah. Oh, well, that's so exciting. I can't <laughs> wait for when that comes out. And it's no, um, no wonder that you are looked for for timing, you know, being that <laughs> super cap, yeah. you know. Yeah. Well, and I, honestly, I thought about this for a long time, but it, it just didn't come together. Of course, that's part of Saturn, you know, yes. is like making it come together. And I really, I got like, I was like really frustrated with myself at one point and it came to me that no, actually nobody's really ready for this book yet. So that's why you were delayed. Like, because if you would have launched it too early, it would just get lost. So Mm. I was like, oh, okay. So now like, it's going to be a thing that people like actually are open to not only understanding how they can, you know help their timing out, but also to be able to measure it like psychically as well as because, you know, the, the psychic information, if you will, comes from this place of no time 
when people are, you know, just straight psychic or like if they're doing tarot, like they get an idea maybe, but it's not narrowed down. We do have in astrology, luckily, we do have a little bit better timing skills. Yes. Usually. And, and astrology helps me immensely with that. Okay. Just to let you know, but it's, I mean, it can be like a period of two years or something, you know, oh, you have a Pluto transit. So for the next two years, well, you know, you don't know the actual trigger points unless you like look at when the moon is coming around or something else, you know, like that triggers it. Um, horary astrology is amazing for timing, but it's very detailed and, and very uh, rigorous, you know, in yes, its rules. It is. So, um, <laughs> I tend to do my timing with a pendulum and just ask and then reverse engineer it and look up like, oh, it's this day. And then I look up and, you know, like the planetary guy, Jupiter's going direct or, you know, something like that. Well, then you put all the pieces of the puzzle together, basically, and you kind of start there. And I, you know, Lisa, I find it appropriate if, you know, the book coming out in 2020, uh, what if it just happens to line up with that Saturn Pluto conjunction? Oh, I definitely <laughs> thought of that. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, actually, are, aren't all three planets together? Jupiter, Saturn, and Pluto? Like, aren't they all three coming together? They are. I think the Jupiter. I want to say the Jupiter Saturn is going to be on zero degrees Aquarius. I could be wrong about that, but I think so. But oh. when it happens, when a Saturn and Pluto happens, um, mm-hmm at least on that first connect, uh, there's a lot there. There'll be, um, I just looked at this recently, but there'll be Mercury there. They'll, the sun is right on top of it when it happens. There'll be a pile up. Wow. <laughs> so uh, yes, it'll be a potent year. <laughs> that sure. will be, especially for me, having most of my planets in Capricorn exactly. and Aquarius. My goodness. So it sounds rather well-timed, Lisa, should I say? <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's like, yeah. Yeah. And spirit has its own ideas. So, I mean, you can only change the timing within the bounds of, you know, a astrology because it's actually a reflection of what we're doing. I mean, a lot of people think the planets cause our actions. No, they, they definitely generate, you know, an energy and influence, but we are the ones, I mean, because the whole universe is inside of all of us, right? Mm-hmm. That's what the birth chart is. Yeah. And so it's what we do with it. But when we're not conscious, we're pretty predictable. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's so funny. Well, and that's a perfect way to lead in to what we are going to be talking about today. And that is our topic of catching up with Pluto. <laughs> so <laughs> if we talk about that unconscious, <laughs> so I know. Um, so, and I'm so happy with uh, how last week's episode turned out with Cassie and, and Neptune. And we have a very Plutonian signature going on um, this week. Um, and yeah, so I thought it was perfect. And I know Lisa and I, it's, you know, me being the cancer cap moon and Lisa having all that Capricorn planets, we have definitely been in Pluto's crosshairs. Um, definitely. <laughs> a little while definitely. now. Yes. So we have some personal insight to share of what that journey looks like. Um, <laughs> so let's start with recapping, you know, what, what, I mean, what have you encountered or noticed or any anecdote since the last time we talked with the the lunar eclipse in Aquarius? Oh, I will say that for me, um, I have my moon in Leo, okay, and Venus and Saturn in Aquarius. They weren't exactly aspected, although the lunar eclipse did get very close to the moon opposition, Mm -hmm. okay, for me. Um, So I thought that that would affect me a lot. 
Um, I felt, though, that like most of the stuff started shaking up from the prior uh, solar eclipse in Cancer, oddly. Um, And it's not aspecting anything, really, but um, I noticed that that's when I changed my business name. I had like total downloads of like, here's how your business is going to look. Here's what you need to do to, you know, change everything. And I'm like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) And so during, during the lunar eclipse was when I was actually starting to get the pieces to, you know, like actually see, Hey, timing magic is available. Better buy it. You know, then like point it to my website, then change all my social media, you know? So I, I was looking at my calendar before we were talking today and I'm just realizing that my business model is changing inside out. And not only that, but my payment method has also changed because of PayPal having the terms of service and the terms of use significantly changed for me, despite the fact that I've had the account since 1998 and not even one complaint. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> and I felt that what they're doing, and I, I get it. They're trying to protect themselves from people that do services that they get a lot of refund requests. Oh, okay. And I'm just in one of those kind of risky businesses is the way that they're looking at it. So that what they wanted to do was hold my money that I would make for 30 days, 30, 30 days. days. Who yeah. does that? Yeah. Um, so <laughs> I'm like, mm, okay, I need a different payment method here. So I changed my, my method of collecting money and also like having like a signature with a terms of service on the receipt that comes to the client. Um, I'm using square and the appointment system, which is free except for like 2.75 or 3%. Oh, yeah. of, there's the, always a merchant yeah, service. I don't care. That's good. <laughs> I, I always had that with PayPal. So yeah, it's just fine. So, I mean, yeah, it came into the money thing. So, I mean, that's a Pluto theme sometimes. Um, yeah. I have well, to structure my entire business model. Yeah. So, well, if you I mean, think about it, it almost, and if you think about it, Lisa, if we, uh, because essentially that lunar eclipse in Aquarius, um, it's is apexing the solar eclipse, you know, like it's yes. taking that energy and then moving it towards the energy of the signature of that lunar eclipse. And in whole signs, that would be the solar eclipse would have happened in your second house. Um, if you think about that, yes. Canada, right. Cause you have that, the Gemini rising. So maybe that was like uprooting, you know, that whole system and how you take money from other people, you know, that Pluto <laughs> in the eighth house and changing all that around. And it makes so much sense with all the retrogrades that you were doing all this behind the scenes work, you know, kind of get yourself set up and re, you know, just reallocate everything. And so I think that's yeah. rather perfect way of using the energy. <laughs> <laughs> It was. I'm not done yet. Okay. Oh, I mean, I have like a gazillion things to, on my to-do list still. But and luckily, we do have Virgo energy now, so that you know we can get it done. Like you know, Sun and Virgo, Mercury just arriving in Virgo, which yes. is like yes. And then we have uh, like I mean, I realize that for some people, these are like you know, I imagine some of the Pisces and Gemini people are not having as much fun with you know some of the transits with that, but. Um, the Capricorn is having a really good time with this. <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, cause we're finally getting things moving here and that's really what I'm noticing. Oh my um, God. Is that, Absolutely. yeah, we're finally going somewhere, whatever, wherever that place may be, at least we're moving. <laughs> no. um, yes. Yes. I, yeah. I think that being stuck is eternally worse really. Yeah. 
It, it is. It, it can be for sure. Um, but we, it was a necessary stuck that we had to go through in order to do, you know, re- renovate what it is um, that we're, you know, a, yeah. aligning our, our ambition towards. So, yeah. I, you know, it, it had to happen. And I think this yeah. week, because we're obviously recording this a little early because we got to do that in order for it to come out on time. But the week that we're Indeed. talking about, we have so many trines and sextiles going on between the sun and Mercury and uh, all that action and, and Capricorn, you know, some Pluto, which is, of course, what we're going to talk about here. So I think that there's going to be a lot of opportunities um, for movement this week and change. Uh, whatever that may look like. I, I think you're right. And I think that it'll even get more like, because we haven't been in the new moon yet of Virgo, I think it's going to really push stuff forward. And that's when all of the aspects are happening Happening. is right around the new moon. And then we have Venus going into Scorpio. And so we have like, yeah, I think that there's a lot of movement toward things. And like, you know, where you have like all of the ideas and maybe you have some progress and now it's just time to complete it. And it, feels like for me, I want to complete it before Venus goes retrograde in October. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's well, my goal. Well, and you know, Mercury is moving super fast right now. It's going to be whizzing through Virgo. You know, <laughs> yes. I think, I think we are ready for that. You know, like this is kind of going to be like a, just a burst of energy until we do hit that second retrograde, um, which will slow down certain areas of life, but not all. Cause you know, it's only Venus this time. It's, it's not, only Venus. It's not yeah. the pile. Of Mercury will be on its tail, but at least not really at the same time. Same time so, yeah. 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 It'll be better. It'll be better than the summer. Uh, absolutely. Yes. Summer was harsh. It was, but like I said, it was kind of necessary. It was. (laughs) Um, Well, what I noticed, you know, as you just said, you you know, now that we have Venus, um, because by the time anybody listens to this, Venus will be in Scorpio, the new moon will have happened and we'll be there. Um, But, you know, with Venus and Mercury moving into um, Scorpio and Virgo, respectively, we don't have much, you know, we're on this little, little piece of, time where we don't have as much, um, uh, we don't have fire per se, uh, and not too much air. Although I know Mars is moving back into Aquarius here, um, shortly as well. So it does that this week too. So we're kind of overlapping, but we have a lot of earth and water is basically what's happening right right now. Mud. Yeah, exactly. And I was just thinking about like, you know, how probably the fire and the air signs are not as happy right now. (laughs) I am like, yes, I can get something done. I feel like that there's some substance to like jump off of, you know, Um, that's something like, you know, Capricorns, like we like being up high, but like, you always notice there's a mountain or something that they're standing on. Yeah. Right. Oh, well, they're looking for the next one to climb, essentially. I know. <laughs> oh, I know. One in the That's distance. what I'm doing right now. Hopefully, you know, hopefully my whole business remodel, um, you know, my, my cyber remodel is uh, going to be that. So I'm yeah. just, you know, excited about that. Yes. And especially when the book comes out, I think that that'll be a really solid step also, you know, for the Capricorn. For the Capricorn. Yes. I think it's, yeah. but yes, it'll be, be wonderful. And so- yeah. You know, essentially you were setting up a lot of that um, with that uh, solar eclipse in Cancer where we had our Pluto opposition. And kind of like what I wanted to point out is, you know, we had that Pluto opposition to the sun um, and the moon um, for that solar eclipse. But now we have this new moon in Virgo that we just went through that we are now having the sun 
and the moon try well the moon trines pluto you know every every uh, couple times a month but yeah, sure. the sun essentially is trining pluto to kind of move forward you know whatever we were confronted with or you know with that solar eclipse. So I feel like whatever, you know, was kind of breaking down or we had to deal with, you know, that beast within what we had to deal with to some extent. Yeah. Now we're kind of flowing with it, understanding it, being able to move with it a little bit more. Um, I mean, would you say the same, Lisa? I know oh, you have that aspect in your chart, right? Uh, oh, well, not only an aspect in my chart, I literally have that natally where I have the sun and mercury, although my mercury is retrograde. Um, trining Pluto retrograde, but the signs are reversed. So the Pluto is at 14 Virgo retrograde. Then I have um, Mercury at 16 Capricorn retrograde, and then the sun is at 10. Well, and if you want to count the south node at 11 and Mars at 20. So, I mean, I have a lot of Capricorn. Yes. (laughs) um, I am liking this whole trine and then like even sextile to uh, Jupiter and Scorpio. I think that that's a really, you know, that's a very good thing. Um, So I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to this, you know, the, all of the trines and some of the stuff like actually working for a change. (laughs) Yes. Well, it's interesting that you say that Lisa, because you know, you have that aspect in your chart where the sun does trine Pluto. Um, and I feel like I have this theory that I've noticed with the planets, um, you know, cause sextiles and trines, they're considered benefic. Um, but essentially they just create opportunities for something or something just begins to flow. And so if the opportunity is good and the flow is good, then we're feeling good about it. Right. But like, and so you have that sun Pluto trine now here for me, I have a sun exact sun Pluto square, including the moon, a nice T square between them all. So what I notice when trines come around for me as much as I want to be like, yeah, I'm ready to flow with it. It usually is flowing, but in my own chart, there's tension there. So it can bring about something very easily that causes me tension, (laughs) you know? Okay. Fines are not necessarily good. It just means that there's flow, but it can be too much or not in balance or some other way. And in fact, my own uh, son trying Pluto I, I can tell, and, and even Mercury trying Pluto, I can tell you that um, what that means for me is that I usually have a very intense, like, communication and, like, how I am. Like, I come off, like, you know, people just don't, I remember years ago when I was, like, looking into modeling and acting, and I remember uh, doing an audition, and, you know, like, I was trying to do the you know, the the girl next door or the mom, you know, that feeds everybody and all of these (laughs) kinds of things. And like, it just came off with me looking plastic and like early, but when they put me in a drama position and said, okay, like talk to this person, like they, you know, totally stole from you and ripped off your life. And when, and so the actor was there that was like supposed to be the guy that ripped me off or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I just, I, I read the lines and I just delivered them. And, and I mean, even he got scared of me. <laughs> Pluto came to life. Pluto was like on like Donkey Kong. Yeah, that's <laughs> funny. So I have, I, I do have like, I, I mean, I'm a nice person and stuff, but yeah, I think that there is a, an intensity when I open my mouth. There's yeah. times that, you know, it's just too much for people. 
but it's not too much for me. You know, I've got the trying. <laughs> yeah. You're like, I'm just, I'm just flowing with I'm it. What's the problem? Myself. Yeah. And the, more, <laughs> and the more that I'm myself, I actually have to say that the more that I'm myself, cause I do get like, you know, having seventh and eighth house stuff. Like I am aware of other people and how that affects them. But when I get over my stuff and I do the Jupiter and Aries, okay. And, and training my moon and Leo, um, things just like open up. So mm. I am really aware of, you know, how intense that I can be. Yes. And, and being okay with that too. Cause like you said, at, at this point in my life, yes. Um, I think that it was harder to own when I was young. Yeah. Yeah. It's much, much better when you're like, well over 50. You know, it's much better. <laughs> well, good, good. Well, you know, since we're talking about, because I had a couple episodes ago where, um, with Mars Gradiva, where we were, we just went into like a little spiel about Pluto because uh, he was born during Pluto in Scorpio. Um, and oh. I'm a Pluto in Libra and you're a Pluto in Virgo. And so Virgo. we don't even talk yeah. about that too much. Do you have any like just insights to what Pluto in Virgo looks like? for you or like what you um, think? <laughs> I, I will tell you that, I mean, it, and what I did was when I first started studying astrology, um, cause I was a young and, you know, with a room full of Pluto and Leo folks, mm-hmm. um, I can tell you there was a huge difference between the Pluto and Leo feel and Pluto and Virgo. I, I really felt that a lot of people that were, and I am so grateful for the Pluto and Leo folks paving the path. Okay. So it's, this is a good thing. But what I noticed was that they were focused on themselves and healing themselves. And like, what about my, you know, arrangement? What about my this? And, you know, like there was a lot of that. The, I noticed that the Pluto and Virgo and even the Pluto and Libra folks were more about like, how do we help? Like, a lo- how do we serve others? How do we like, and then like with Pluto and Libra, how do we do this in relationship? How do we like balance this out in the world? And I think that the emphasis of all of that, along with, you know, maybe the internet growing and, and things like that, like now everybody has access to this. Mm-hmm. When, when I started, that was not the case. And it, I felt like I was in a secret club. Yeah. You know, and now it's everywhere. And that's actually, that's what Cassie and I were talking about in the last episode, yeah. how much everything's rising up and yeah. uh, not so I, much I actually that. think that overall it's good. I mean, true. What happens is that then we need discernment to, you know, clear the chaff, if you will, from the, the, you know, the, the kernels <laughs> of yeah. goodness, you have to clear away a lot of stuff that, you know, like I noticed that people that are not even astrologers are using astrology for their, you know, like promoting their business and getting clients and they're not even astrologers. They're, you know, tarot readers, they're Reiki practitioners, they're whatever. And they're like, Hey guys, you know, Mercury's in Virgo. So, and they talk about it, you know, and they're not astrologers, but it's interesting to me that like, they're using that, like, didn't used to be like that. It used to only be astrologers that would talk about stuff like that. And it's very yeah. interesting. I'm glad that like the, the lingo, if you will, is more accessible to people now. Yeah, it's very much so. Like there's that. So we talked about a lot about this in the last program um, of the, just <laughs> that exact thing, because, you know, 
oh, I was likening it to Neptune and Pisces and how a lot of people are coming to spirituality in droves and astrology basically kind of can fit in there because it's a way of connecting with that bigger picture and that kind of that spiritual energy. Um, and so, yeah, people, like you said, like the language is being... Um, you know, more widespread. It's less of, it's still very much a specialty because, you know, as we know, as astrologers, there's a lot to it and there's many facets and there's many types of astrologers. And so to even have that people like bringing that in with different disciplines, it's nice as long as, uh, yes, (laughs) I don't. (laughs) Uh, Yes, indeed. And, and knowing the difference between like, a, you know, I guess that, you know, maybe the next level of education is to educate potential clients. Okay. Meaning everybody's clients, like what the actual, like, you know, how astrology really works and, you know, what the difference between somebody who is doing Reiki and some of those things honestly needed in the world. Okay. I'm not, but when they think that they can read a chart, then it, you know, it's like, okay, you know, now you need an astrologer, okay, or you need some kind of background. So the education piece, I think, is one of the next things that will come, but I'm glad that it's even a conversation now. We may have to wait till, you know, maybe that, that Saturn, Pluto, Jupiter conjunction to like really get the education part locked in. Like the credentials and stuff. Yeah, like that yeah. Lines. Like meaning the Saturn and Jupiter joining together because Jupiter meaning you know the higher education. Yes, and Saturn okay. being like you know, hey, do you know how to do it? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, that's that's so funny with our Pluto and Virgo here, you know, because Virgo, you know, speaks yeah. to skill, right? Yes. Um, and and yeah. you know, well, and, and I like- I did notice that it was like a, yeah with the Pluto and, and and Virgo generation coming into the astrology world um and I was a single mom at the time when all of this was happening you know back in the day so I didn't get to you know I guess do like some of the real reflective astrology stuff until even after my kids got older and you know some of that but I lived a lot of it. So what happens is that when you become a professional, you tend to live out a lot of your transit. Okay. So when you look at your own chart and you go, oh, there's this transit, you tend to live it out through your clients and helping them through something rather than happening to you Mm. and that you have to do it. That's what I've noticed is a huge thing after going pro. Yeah. No, I, I know. Sometimes it will surprise me, the people that come to me and I'm like, oh, universe. <laughs> and, and did you look at your own, like, well, sometimes you can just look at the transits and, you know, I mean, I find that you know a lot about what kind of questions are going to come up when you see on the calendar next week that Mercury is going direct or whatever it is. You yeah. Know? It's like, oh, yep, that's going to be a communication issue. Like you don't even have to look at their chart to see what's going on. Like you already know like what it is. And then when you apply it to them, you go, oh, yep, there it is. I mean, you can see, oh, yep, that's hitting your moon. Oh, that's hitting your Mars. That's hitting your... And I find that the ones that really um, hit more are the ones on the personal planets because that's when people get, they feel personally involved in it at that point. Like if something is hitting their Uranus, yeah, not so much, not as much. Yeah. No, it, it has to get personal <laughs> in order for no, you to like it really, does. It does. really feel it. And so I find I've, people will come to me, you know, if we're talking about Pluto here, uh, 
people come to me a lot of times with Pluto issues because I have been through, um, you know, I have a birth chart that is very Plutonian. Yeah. Uh, and I also have gone through a slew of Pluto transits. Lucky me. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so and I, where I have yeah. the, the trine, okay, the sun trine Pluto, I do need to probably tell you that I am also Plutonian like on the moon level and the moon Pluto, that is some deep stuff. I'm telling you about There's it. There's a book <laughs> on it called the Hades moon. Okay. If anybody has moon and Pluto or moon and Scorpio or, you know, the squares or anything with moon and Pluto, you guys need to get the Hades moon. It is mind blowing. It, you will get so deep into like what that's about. You will go like, Oh, I thought I was crazy. So what I have is a moon semi-sextile Pluto, exactly, because I have 14-degree moon and 14-degree, like, you know, like, but they're ones in Leo, ones in Virgo, but they also are parallel. So mm. it acts like a conjunction. Conjunction, yeah. Yeah. So I have, a, I have my own Pluto stuff, believe me. <laughs> <laughs> believe me. That's why, well, that's But it's why more related to the moon. Sorry about that. Yeah. More related to the moon than it is uh, the sun for me. Yeah. 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 Luckily, I was born with the T-square 16-degree sun opposite a 16-degree moon. It's all square, a 16-degree Pluto. Wow. So I, I can definitely speak on it for sure. Yeah, um, you can. And so, I, you know, like, let's, let's, let's talk about Pluto in general. For those who are listening okay. that are like, wait, what does this mean for my chart? You know, like, what is Pluto? What am I looking out for here? Because <laughs> Pluto, you'll know when you find it. <laughs> um, but it might take a while for that because essentially, you know, the idea of Pluto is, is, you know, we, we talk about death, rebirth, you know, things along those lines, but most often it's like a psychological death that needs to happen when we have Pluto in our chart or Pluto transits that, you know, hit parts of us that, you know, um, need to crumble. Like they're like, they're parts of our identity, you know, how we define ourselves as people that, uh, when a Pluto transit comes around or we have Pluto work to do in our charts, basically, you know, whatever we're propping up ourselves up against, you know, or whatever mask we're wearing to society is like, uh, guess what? That's not you anymore. You can't like rely on this facade. Um, and so that's kind of what, that's where it all kind of starts, right, Lisa? (laughs) Yes. No, absolutely. I was just thinking about, oh, they were not kidding when they call that an ego death. That's, that is absolutely what happens with Pluto. Pluto's goal. Okay. Where like, you know, Saturn is about building and then we have Uranus that is about freedom. And, you know, like, even though there's structure with, with, you know, with with Uranus, it breaks all structure that is, that is like eliminating freedom and it wants higher growth and all of this type of stuff. Neptune is just like, Hey, let's all go back to the source, right? Pluto has more of this purification, like to be where it literally puts you in the fires of the layers of Hades and you burn off all your layers. Mm. Okay. You literally are in the incinerator because of whatever is inside of you that needs to be purified out. And so like Pluto will just burn everything away until it gets that little nugget. That's not pure, you know? Um, how painful is that? Yes, it's painful. Sometimes it is painful. Um, when you come on the other side of the Pluto, like after the purification though, it's like, 
it's it's kind of like the lead to the gold. It's like, whoa, you know, you get supercharged. And that's where the power, I think, comes from Pluto. Yes, absolutely. And because that's, you know, Pluto is associated with power. Um, and I think the hardest part of Pluto transits um, and going through kind of those Plutonian, uh, you know, <laughs> experiences in life is that it does bring you down to those those gates of Hades. And we have to kind of sit into that that muck and like, and bring it up to the light. And the only problem is, is in order to get that power and get that buried treasure, because essentially Pluto has a treasure that if we can just get to it, we can unearth. But what can happen a lot of times in Pluto transits is when you hit rock bottom, when you get there, it still takes a lot of energy to come back up. And some people don't make it, you know, like that's oh, like, yeah. That's oh, yeah. Thing. Oh um, yeah. And it will break them. And mm-hmm. we don't want that. We want to make people aware of what that process looks like because really the power is on the other side of it. And if you could just push on through and yeah, like, like once you get your nuggets, you still have to crawl back out to exactly. the tunnel and yeah. Yeah. And out of the yeah. rabbit hole, essentially out of the rabbit hole. You have to, that's the thing is like Pluto's interesting because you have to kind of volunteer to some extent to go in. Like that no way, of- I guess that when you uh, choose the kind of birth chart that we have, it's a volunteer mission. You know? <laughs> <laughs> well, you end up volunteering uh, in a forceful way because sometimes, I mean, everybody does by transit, but I, I yes. think that people that have Pluto um, with personal planets, especially the moon. Okay. Like that one is a hard one. Venus is a hard one too. And the sun. Okay. Um, those are also difficult, but the moon, I think because of our safety needs, yes. I, I always look at the moon as like, you know, if we don't get our safety needs met, like you can't live out your, the rest of your chart. So when you have Pluto with your moon, it's like, you, you just feel paralyzed, you know, like you feel like, okay, I'm never safe, you know? And I remember I made a lot of mechanisms as a young kid with feeling safe in order for me to function. and. How that worked for me, oddly, I mean, this is weird, but I guess having Moon and Leo training Jupiter, I learned how to perform to make it look like everything was okay. Mm. And then, you know, and of course my mom is like, you know, oh, Lisa's so cool or whatever, you know, because I'm doing good in school and whatever, you know, but like at the, I knew there was something wrong at the core and I didn't know what that was for a really, really, really long time. and. So then even like once I got relationships to start working, because my first relation, you know, my first marriage with the kids was like utterly a disaster and very Plutonian. Okay. Mm. He had moon opposite Pluto. That'll tell you. (laughs) So, um, the, the lessons that came from that, um, really, helped me to choose a partner that would be good. And I still didn't understand the full dynamic of what it was that was in my, like, oh, by the way, I should probably tell you Pluto's in my fourth house. So it was like ancestry and roots and, and the, you know, you, you think some things are normal, but they're not. So mm-hmm. that's, that's where it came in. There's some places with Pluto wherein you realize, oh my gosh, you know, like, you know, you know, like maybe as a young child that like when your parents beat you or something that you know that that's wrong, even if you can't get help, but you realize it's wrong. Okay. Um, when it's subtle and you don't see the things like, you know, it looks like, oh, wow, we have the house. We have, you know, like everybody has a job, everybody pays bills, but what's wrong here? Like, 
you know that something's wrong and you don't know what it is. And it took me like well into my 40s before I figured it out. And I was really actively doing this by my Saturn return when I had an awakening. Mm. Yes. Well, because like you said, like, you know, okay, especially being at the bottom of the chart, the fourth house, and we're talking about Pluto being essentially the unconscious drive that lives within us that we're trying to bring to the light in order to understand the Plutonian issues. You know, yours is buried down in there. So it doesn't surprise me that, you know, like, it was more like a sensing of something isn't right more than, you know, absolutely fully was, aware. <laughs> yeah. Cause everything externally and you know, the Capricorn part of me and, and the Virgo, you know, like, and, and all of that, like it was totally looking for the physical clues of, you know, like things that like an outward expression of this. And it wasn't, mm. it just wasn't. But what had happened was I realized that there was a lot of trauma modeling in my, and particularly in my mom's family, which I thought was interesting because you would think that it would be your dad, like being in the fourth house. And by the way, I'm using classical astrology there, Mm -hmm. but I also have the moon Pluto. So I, then I see, okay, yeah, it's my mom. You know, I could see where it would be a lot of my mom's. Maybe I have a lot of stuff with dad's stuff too. And I just haven't dug that out yet. I'm still waiting for the Irish citizenship. Right? <laughs> so that'll be my next project. <laughs> but, but I'm looking more forward to that because the sun being trying Pluto, I think that there's going to be more gifts and, and not as much work. Yes. Uh, the sun can resonate with, you know, as you know, the sun can resonate with father and the, and the moon with mother. So I have the, the harder aspects with Pluto with the moon. Mm-hmm. And I have the trine with the sun. So I think that if I was doing the father line, I, I think that it'll be a little easier. Yeah, that would mm-hmm. make sense. Definitely. Yeah. Um, yes, I feel you on all that. <laughs> definitely. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, especially yeah. having just gone through a, a moon Pluto conjunction opposite the sun, yeah. where my Pluto and all that type of stuff. Um, yeah. You know, I, I found, yes, I found. It was a difficult last couple of years for sure um, that I went through. And one of the things with Pluto is essentially what it does, you know, because we're always talking about those like identity props or, you know, that yeah. happened, like that ego death that we're talking about. Yeah. But it also brings up, you know, if we're talking about unconscious material or like kind of unconscious motivations that we don't really challenge or even see within ourselves. Um, I notice that Pluto tends to, when it comes around, it's like, it looks at what you're attached to and it's like, really? And why? Oh, I know. Why are you attached to that? How how about if I take that away? Like, how do you feel after that? Or like, can you get along without that? And we all know we can, but we identify, you know, it's, it's back to that identity and what we identify with. And we don't really know what that is completely until something is taken away from us. And that's why there's a lot of, you know, grief that can come along with Pluto and why it's associated with that death or, you know, cause it can be literal death. Most office often it's you know, more psychological yeah. based, but, but yeah. So, you know, what are you attached to? And, and yeah. <laughs> yeah. And actually on the, on the note of Pluto transiting, um, when it went over my son and of course there was a lot of other, transits that were happening, not only for me, but for my spouse, um, who passed away. But I can tell you that when Pluto was on my son, um, at the same time, Uranus was like going over, like going toward his ascendant Mm. and in Aries. And so I'm like, wow, you know, I, I, our, our relationship is going to change. Okay. Like, 
<laughs> I didn't realize it would be through literally physical death that yeah. that would happen. Um, so yeah, Pluto just doesn't, you know, doesn't take any crap. Honestly, it doesn't. If, if you are attached to a, you know, and I didn't think that that would be how that would happen. You know what I mean? Like I thought I'll just let go. And you know, one thing I learned about Pluto, let go. <laughs> okay. <Yes. laughs> Everything. Uh, and the part that I took for granted was that he would be alive. Yeah. You know, that was the part I took for granted because, and especially at the time when it seemed like he was healthier than I was, like I was the one that was like suffering a lot of health problems. Mm. And so, you know, it, it didn't make any sense at all. Um, you know, at the, at the time it does now, like I, I see like, Oh, okay. Our, our relationship does evolve, but you're in, in a different, you know, the other yes. dimension. Yes. Yeah. So that's yeah. what happens. Well, and, so, and that's when he was messing with my, uh, the, the uh, headphones, the earbuds, <laughs> yes, the earbuds and oh. earrings, and likes to play with that stuff. And I know he's around. Yes, that's so sweet. It's uh, my, you know, luckily I haven't had to. I, you know, I'm probably should knock on something. <laughs> you know, I haven't <laughs> had to deal with a whole lot of um, crack. I'll knock on that for you. There you go. (laughs) Well, you know, I say that, but that's not true because, you know, I've come to an age where now I'm starting to see, you know, I've dealt with it a little bit here and there. Like I lost one of my, one of my best friends who happened to be a 72 year old woman, um, passed away as my Pluto transit was starting and, you know, she lived a good life. So it wasn't like it was necessarily, we were all sad to see her go. You know, she wasn't quite old enough for us to be like, okay. (laughs) Um, but you know, that was like that first inclination and I'll have dreams about her from time to time and she'll come to me and yeah awesome and then you know I've noticed a lot of friends I actually had a friend who passed um during the uh, two friends um right before the solar eclipse and cancer to the opposite to Pluto and one uh right after it um and so yeah it, it just reminds us of like you know, what we are attached to, what we might take for granted too, you know, like you were saying, like you, he seemed healthy to you and like, you wouldn't know that he could be gone in a second. And so I know Pluto isn't necessarily always associated with like maybe appreciating what you have and while you have it, but I'm just going to throw it in there because, you know, there are, I appreciate what the one thing I don't regret is that I did appreciate every single day that we had. Um, I just didn't realize that it was like, okay, 10 years, you know, no more. Okay. Like I didn't realize that there was a deadline on it and there was no way to know that. I mean, like even people that were psychic were like absolutely dumbfounded when it happened. So it was so cloaked from (laughs) my knowing. Yes. (laughs) Well, that's Pluto again. (laughs) But I also realized Mel that, um, not everybody in life gets an opportunity to be with that kind of love ever, like in like a hundred gazillion years. Yeah. And I had it for 10 years and I'm very grateful for that. Oh, that's beautiful, Lisa. <laughs> yes. It's true. It's, I mean, yeah, it's, no, it, it is. I'm, I'm, well, okay. And so because Pluto has that, um, you know, it brings us to those depths, you know, we have to mm-hmm. possibly grieve over what we've lost. We have to maybe deal with guilt about something, you know, um, or if, if, yeah, I, I was very something. happy to be guilt free in this, like it yes. literally was just a shock, but like, I know there was nothing in the, the entire world that could have been done to be different. Yes. And 
it was even interesting because like when it happened, like, you know, we said we loved each other, like, and, and hugged and kissed before I went in the shower, you know? And, um, so yeah, I don't have like on that level, I don't have any regrets. Like I, it's not like, oh man, I never told him or, oh my, you know, this, this and that, the other. And not only that, but I can still talk to him, you know, the way that I look at this. And I remember even being in the hospital, um, when all of this, you know, the resuscitation efforts were happening and there was no way. Okay. Cause, um, the aorta split and then it just filled up the heart. So like, they didn't know yeah. this at the time. So they were trying to save him. And then like, I, I realized he wasn't going to be saved. Okay. That hurt. But when I went into, so they said, you can go into the room, uh, to like say goodbye and whatnot. And when I was in there, I mean, his body was there, but he wasn't there. Mm. Okay. He wasn't there. And, and so I just, I said, Oh, Oh, he's not here. Okay. And, and I was going to leave and they said, wait, you know, like, you know, like, are you going to say goodbye? I'm like, he's not here. And they were like, of course he is like, you're his wife. And like, of course he's here. Like, you know, all of this stuff. And I'm looking at them. I'm like, no, he's not, you know? So turns out, okay, that night I was actually supposed to be reading at a psychic fair. By the way, this is at Samhain time, okay? So like like we have the Halloween theme going on here of the veils, okay? Yeah. So one of my my psychic friends that actually knew him, okay, um, she was working and I was supposed to be working with her. And it just so happened to be the night that Ray passed. Mm. She knew it ahead of time because Ray came to her to help her do the psychic readings. Mm. And, and so when she called me after the event, she goes, I know what happened. Like he came here and he helped me do all the readings. <laughs> I'm like, Oh, that's where he was. <laughs> he's like, he's like priorities. I have, I'm already <laughs> priorities. Like I got to help Stephanie. Help other people. You here. know, I got to help Stephanie tonight because you know, I'll get back to you. And, and it didn't hurt my feelings. It wasn't like, you know, it wasn't weird that way. Um, in fact, it, it just told me what a bond that him and Stephanie had in a soul way, because in real life, they only met for like five minutes, Mm. but she knew him immediately. They, they both like came to me and said, Oh my God, the other person, you know, like they were like so excited that they got to meet in 3d for five minutes and you know, yeah. Pretty, well, pretty intense stuff. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yes, absolutely. Well, Speaking you know, of which, I'm sure that the myths of death, etc., have to do with Pluto, and I'm hoping that we can get to the mythology. Yes, part. I wanted to share some of the mythology, but what, you know, I just wanted to bring up real quick when we talk about guilt, because, you know, um, mm. Pluto can be associated with that guilt, resentment, anger, you know, rage that lies within, and there's many different a- ways to get to that Pluto transit, and yes, you were able to make peace with it, but when I'm thinking of, like, uh, like my friend who had passed uh, that I just spoke of right before of this solar eclipse, he actually was hit on his motorcycle um, by, uh, by a 17-year-old girl who was, who was driving with a car full of people at three in the morning wow. and had ran a light. Um, wow. And so immediately I think of her, you know, if we think about guilt, you know, because I'm sure she didn't mean to do that. You know, it's just right. a tragic that he was lost. Um, and yes. it's just as tragic that this young woman has to deal with the repercussions of, you know, the unconscious that is going to come to her to deal with. And so that's part of it too. Like, you know, like it's, 
there's yeah. many facets to get to that, that Plutonian, um, you know, <laughs> and then having to get back out of that and to go there, feel it because we have to feel it with Pluto. Otherwise it doesn't go away. It'll bury itself and create a bigger unconscious problem in, in the long run. Um, and so we can talk about, we can talk about that a little bit later, like how to deal yeah. with that. Yeah. Um, no, I would, I would say that the more you can go into feeling and the more that you can let go is mm-hmm. that is the way to navigate Pluto. Absolutely. Yes. You gotta, it's, it's an honoring of sorts. You kind of have to honor the, um, it's like you are the universe and this little piece of speck of nothing all at the same time. And it's going to be purified to the absolute elemental level. Like it's not going, there's no room with, with Pluto. There's no room for anything impure. There is no room and it, it will, it doesn't give a crap about pain. Yeah. Well, yeah. okay. Well, let's go into our myths there because I thought this one kind of, this one's interesting because it touches on what we were just saying there. Um, and this one, this myth of the dark goddess, it's a Sumerian legend. It's supposedly, it's reputedly the oldest myth uh, in recorded history, supposedly, from what I read. I could be totally wrong, but this, <laughs> uh, I, I got this myth um, out of actually an excellent book uh, by... Um, called The Gods of Change by Howard Sassportas. I think that's not oh, his name, right? Oh, wow. Amazing. Cool. Yeah. And so I highly recommend that book. Um, and I actually have two myths to share that I got from that book. But I wanted to start with this one um, uh, by the Sumerian legend uh, involving Ereshkigal. Uh, I think I'm saying that right. Ereshkigal, which was the goddess of the underworld, and her sister Inanna, which was the goddess of the heavens. And so basically, um, Eresh Kigel had lost her husband and they were going to have a funeral for him down in the underworld. And even though Inanna lived up in the heavens, you know, with her jewels, her fine, you know, didn't have to deal with any of that murky underworld business. She was like, I'm going to go, you know, pay my respects to my sister. Right. Um, and so she goes down there, uh, and, you know, her sister being in the underworld, you know, she's kind of filled with rage. Her husband just died. Uh, she's actually experiencing labor pains. Like she's not happy. And, uh, you know, her inner rage is going to take down whoever, you know, encounters her. And so like all people that have to come into the underworld, um, you know, Anana got there and she was stripped of all her, you know, everything, her fine robes or jewels down to the bare nudity. Cause essentially that's what Pluto does. It strips your bear, right? Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, but, it, but I think that it takes your skin off and maybe even leaves your bones. Maybe. Oh, look at that. Well, I mean, you're ahead of the story, Lisa. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> um, and so, yes, that wasn't enough. And her, her sister decided to hang her on a meat hook and basically let her rot. Wow. And, um, and so now she's like super rageful because not only is her husband dead, she just killed her sister uh, and she's giving, you know, birth, this extreme labor pain. And so uh, Inanna was smart before she left because she was like, okay, I don't quite trust my sister. So if in three days she told her servant, three days you don't see from me or hear from me, you know, come after me because something's wrong. <laughs> and uh, so the servant, you know, tries to figure out what's, you know, how to go best to go about that. And so, uh, the servant goes to Inanna's maternal grandfather, whose name is Enki, um, who ends up sending two small figures down, uh, to the underworld called the mourners. 
And so the mourners, because they were so small and little sneaky, they were able to kind of, they were able to get in without being stripped and having to go through that same process that all people do when they go to the underworld. And so they found uh, a Nana and a, a Reshkigal. And rather than going straight to a Nana and try to free her or whatever, they went to the goddess of the underworld uh, to give her the opportunity to lament about her pain and the fate that she was in. Um, and basically it was a form of therapy by allowing this woman to just say what she's gone through and why she, you know, she feels so rageful um, through the loss. And having honored that life force within Ereshkigal, basically they, she went, uh, the mourners, uh, you know, won her over. And she's like, well, what can we do for you? You know? And they were like, of course, you know, bring Anana back to life. Right. And so she sprinkled right. some, you know, magic on her. And then she was able to, you know, be just the way she was before. Um, and, and back at it. But the thing is, is that there was actually a little twist in the end. And you might find this, uh, uh interesting Lisa, was that when she was freed from the underworld, um, basically if you're freed from the underworld, you have to find someone to take your place. And so the idea was, is that Inanna had her consort, Tammuz, um, who, who didn't really help while she was down there, didn't help in the matter at all. And so now she was basically got back and she was like, oh, now it's your turn. You've got to go. Oh, and wow. so the, what's suggested there is that once you go through that major psychological change of being in the underworld, like Inanna was, um, then your partner has to too, because other, otherwise the relationship is in danger of breaking down completely because both people have to be at the same level. So I found that as an interesting twist to the end of that particular myth. Absolutely. Because I mean, I don't care how much she looks the same. You're not the same after you go to the underworld. You're just not. Yes. And so I find it interesting that three days, because that's how long it takes the moon to change a sign, too. Ah, um, yeah. So that, you know, three days time, it's like, oh, yep, the moon has changed a sign. So, because um, Inanna, if I'm not mistaken, is also Ishtar and is the goddess yes. of the moon. Absolutely. You're mm-hmm. right about that. She was the, the earlier incarnation of um, yeah. Ishtar. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a good, that's a very uh, astute observation, Lisa. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there, I like that. That makes sense. Um, And it, well, it speaks a lot to the moon. I'm just going to throw this in here real quick because, you know, when I think about the moon, uh, especially if you're very moon driven, and especially if you're moon Pluto driven, (laughs) um, you know, sometimes waiting out the three days before you act on things and let things, you know, Quell first. I, I see that so many times in my timing work where it's usually two to three days, like for things that are like, you know, when's the check coming in the mail? And, you know, those kinds of questions. Mm. Are, or if they're already en route and the whole energy can change in three days time because as you know, the moon, like, I mean, why do we even deal with like calculating the void of course moons? I mean, like if it's not important, you know? Yeah. So... Yeah, I think that that's just very interesting that they like talked about three days and it's like, oh, that's, yeah, everything changes in three days. Like it can. It can, it really can. And what changes most is your emotional reaction and the way you feel. And, you know, I don't think we've said this, even though we've been alluding to it the whole time, but Pluto brings about that deep, unconscious, instinctual, emotional material. That's like basically what it's dredging up, right? Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. And so the moon is very, you know, it, it plays its part um, within mm. that because yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh my gosh. And so, you know, it's funny, Lisa, cause you know, song, things always being a musician, things always come to me in song. And so as I was putting together all my Pluto notes and stuff, I kept having Devo in my head in the song, I've got an uncontrollable urge. <laughs> Controllable urge. Awesome. Like, that's Pluto. Um, <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and and Pluto can take the effect of this, like, kind of destructing, you know, like, you're just walking into the pit, and sometimes you know it, like, even, and you just can't stop, and you yeah. got to do it. And, I know. You know, like, in that, like, that makes no sense to want to destroy yourself, right? I mean, we, we think of rock stars often that mm. like, destroyed themselves, um, knowingly destroyed themselves, and they just did it anyway. And what were they after, you know? Um, I, I realized that they probably numbed the pain out a little bit with, you know, drugs and, and like, other things, Um in order to be able to like go to those depths. But I mean, they were going to go there, you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. So, well, cause I, you I know, well, Pluto also has that, you know, compulsive and obsessive quality to it. Yes. To know when to stop necessarily. And the thing is, is like the masculine principle is usually how we try to combat Pluto, you know, by fighting against it or, you know, trying right. to resist. And yeah. oh, that is like, and let go. That's yeah, yeah. the right way. Not resist. Resist yeah. is not the right way to do Pluto. Oh my gosh. It will tear you. It's like, <laughs> by you're snuffed. Okay. Are you a pile of um, ashes? Um, are you going to mess with me anymore? Says Pluto. <laughs> I mean, it's like, not really. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Don't, it's true. Don't do that to Pluto. That is my advice. <laughs> yes. Do not, do not do it because. Let go. It's, Pluto's. Let it go. It's like, you know, trust me on this one. Yeah, I know. I've, I've made that mistake myself. Definitely. And it I'm sure with the works. squares, you probably did. Oh yeah. That's a square is going to fight, right? Like yes. essentially. Yes. You know. oh, do my attention. Best. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, it's, I was, well, that's the thing with Pluto too, is it also touches on things like, you know, feeling humiliated or being, you know, humiliated oh, yeah. in some way. Um, and I think fighting against it just adds more to the humiliation because, you know, you keep trying and trying and trying yeah. and then it, yeah, yeah. It's not looking good. Um, <laughs> not looking good. Yeah. Not, not quite looking good, which kind of brings yeah. me to my, my last story, which was part of the same book here. And this is a little bit of a shorter one. Um, and it has to do with the, uh, Hercules and his late, um, his labors, uh, with yeah. the Hydra. And, wow. uh, well, Hydra. And I was going to mention that the Ishtar Inanna story is also covered in the Hades moon book too. Really? Oh. Well. Yeah, so perfect. And yeah. I don't have that book, so I'm gonna have to get in there. Girl, that is a I, must have for your clients and especially you having a moon square Pluto. Yes. I think you qualify. You need that book. I need that book. So uh, for those who are listening, I'm gonna put a whole book list. Awesome. Uh, the uh, Lisa's <laughs> book, the book I re- reference, and a few other Pluto books so that you know if you want to go dive into Pluto further, because essentially that's what he is asking to be done. <laughs> um, there's some resources yeah. that you can turn to. But you you know, the thing with Hercules and the Hydra, and it's interesting because it's the eighth labor, you know, and Scorpio being the eighth sign. And although I use traditional rulerships, there is definitely a Scorpionic vibe that is hangs out with Pluto. I'm not going to deny that. H- Hades is the god of the underworld exactly. and Pluto being his other name. I-, I would say that you're right about that. <laughs> 
Um, and so before Hercules set out on his eighth labor, he, a piece of advice was given to him. And it was, we rise by kneeling, we conquer by surrendering, and we gain by giving up. So that was the clue he had to go by in order to defeat the Hydra, the, you know, the multi-headed beast. And so the Hydra was actually hard to find for Hercules, much like our unconscious, you know, this whole idea of Pluto, it's, it lives in this depth that, you know, it takes a while to get to. Um, and, and it's in, in hidden in a cavern of perpetual night, um, which was in the stagnant swamp. And so wow. he finds the, I know, right? It's very Plutonian. And yeah, so he, <laughs> he finds the Hydra um, and knows it's in the cave in the swamp. And so he's like, how am I going to get this Hydra out? And so he shoots a couple arrows in there and nothing happens, right? And so he has this idea. He's like, well, I'm going to add a little flint on there and light these puppies up. And so he lit, uh, you know, flaming arrows to light up the cave. And of course, you know, that stirred the Hydra and she came right out, um, you know, through the light, you know, that illumination, that awareness. Um, and she came out so that Hercules can essentially confront the beast because that's a lot of what happens with Pluto is, you know, that confronting of the beast <laughs> in ourselves yes. or those around us. Cause sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, it happens. Yes others. Um, and so, you know, he got right in there and he lopped off, you know, a couple of her heads and, but her, immediately the head would grow back with three more. And he was like, ah, I can't, <laughs> can't keep up with this. He's like, how am I going to, you know, defeat this Hydra? And so he remembers the, you know, the, what he was told and he's like, okay, well we rise by kneeling. Right. So he got down to her level in the murky mud of the, um, of the swamp, that, that stagnant swamp. Um, and he was able to bring her, he had to like lift her head up out into the light and then lop it off in order for it not to grow back. And so that was the way he was able to, you know, defeat her is by getting down to the levels and rolling in the muck and bringing it to the light, cutting off all the heads. And then when all the heads were gone, a 10th head popped up and he knew that that was a jewel. And so he buried that next to a rock. Um, and, and, it brought brought something precious in the end. And so the moral of the story basically is is if we fester in those stagnant waters and we never move past those unconscious instinctual drives like the Hydra lives in, uh, they can control us. Right, Lisa? Because that's... Yeah. No, and I was just thinking where the other example in Nana was the moon, this example, Hercules, I think that it's more like the sun. Mm. So that, you know, like we think that our, our light is going to happen and actually interestingly the light does conquer but you got to bring it up in the right way so that it can actually work like you can't just do it all you know like because it's their realm it's their rules so you got to bring it up to where your rules apply yes absolutely so i mean and then again the three i i was like oh wow three Hmm. okay three three heads grew back Mm -hmm. that's that's interesting not one I mean, it could have been just one and then one, one, yeah. one, but no, it was three. That's very interesting. It magnifies too. Absolutely. And yeah. yes. So it's just a reminder of like, if we don't get down in there and get to the dark and bring it to the light, you know, those types of things are going to control us. And that's right. And, and the fact that like, think about like the heads multiplying. I mean, if, if you keep doing it and, and the heads keep multiplying, you'll never get past it. I mean, like, 
it'll just, it'll just take you over, you know? Yeah. And like the severing of the head without the light is basically when you try to push it away, right? Exactly. Exactly. Yes. If I don't like, don't let me look at this (laughs) cut, cut, cut. Yes, exactly. Or or bury it again or put it back in its cave. Oh yeah. That that's going to work. Yeah, no. There's no jewel there. You don't get any, you know, (laughs) no reward. (laughs) And so we want that reward, right, Lisa? We want that reward. Apparently, I chose that kind of chart. Yes. Yes. (laughs) You too, apparently. Yes, we want the reward. And that's kind of what I'm feeling like this week is if we want to bring it full circle to what we dealt with with the Pluto uh, opposition and now we're in the trine is I feel like we've done a lot of work in that regard and now maybe that, that... treasure, that buried treasure. Well, and I was going to say something that I've noticed also that um, eclipses can be kind of like gateways for new things to come in and old things to leave, including death and rebirth and, and or birth. I mean, yeah. just, you know, I noticed a lot of people had transitioned around the eclipses. And so the dragon, you know, the dragon head and the dragon tail, you know, being conjunct the sun and the moon apparently has some kind of an effect with all of this. And then it turns out that we have all of this Pluto stuff this week. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Out, so. And so, uh, yeah. So even though our story, you know, kind of took us here and there to the depths, I think like much of what we're encountering now is um, kind of moving through that and honoring that because Pluto asks us for honesty and integrity and truth. And that's what that bringing to the light at is. The, at the purest, like you cannot lie to yourself. Like yes. it is just absolute painful, like everything that you like think that you want to hide from yourself because it's like, I really don't want to look at that. That hurts. Yeah. Pluto doesn't care. Yeah. Cause it was going to continue to hurt unless until we look at it. Yeah. So yeah. I, yeah, I think a lot of us has been going through some of that. And if you, you know, you're like me and Lisa, you know, if you're have any cardinal signs, especially mid cardinal degrees, um, you know, if yes. I cancer, Libra yes. or Capricorn, you're probably been on this journey with us. <laughs> yeah. Or it's I, coming think Saturn, to <laughs> I think Saturn coming back to Capricorn and like when it does make its conjunction later, uh, there's going to be some kind of, I, I feel like that there's going to be some kind of like graduation or, you know, some kind of like when it happens for a yeah. lot of us. I know that Pluto and Saturn coming together usually is kind of a depressing time. I mean, like, you know, like, you know, you think of those two energies together and it's like, that's heavy, right? Yeah. But if you've done your Pluto work, I think that you get graduated, you know, you somehow, and I think that it could even happen in the real world. Like you purify yourself enough if you're doing your work with Pluto, okay? And Saturn is also a little workhorse, but wants you to do the physical work, okay? Mm -hmm. So when they come together, I, I could see like that the whole world at that point could see who's done their work and who hasn't done their work. Because mm. one of the things about Pluto is it's, it's in, kind of invisible to other people. Like when you're going through this, it's kind of internal usually. Oh, yes. You know, I mean, it seems external because other people may trigger you, but you're, the work is like you are in the underworld. Nobody sees it. I think that when Saturn like will come together with this, I think that there's going to be some kind of like, here's the reward, here's the noticing. And then of course, you know, you probably have to have the sun on it and the moon on it and like other things going on at the same time um, for all of that to really come 
and and then it'll be like for the world to see like other people will be going wow you did that you mm-hmm. know so keep that in mind while you're in the underworld in Pluto that the reward is coming. <laughs> there we go. Uh, and I think that's an excellent place for us to end our conversation, Lisa, because, you know, a little added bonus on the end there. Um, so now before we go here, tell us, you know, tell people where they can find you or what you got going on um, right now or anything. Uh, I'm going to be uh, working at the San Diego Psychic Fair on October 27th, I believe. I'll double check that. But I think it's the 27th. It's a Saturday or Sunday. Let me look. It is a Saturday, October 27th. And it's downtown at uh, 402 Market um, in the Brokers Building Art Gallery. Mm. So um, that should be fun. Um, it's right by the Haunted Hotel. And so there's going to be probably a lot of people um, doing, you know, oh, like yeah. activities and stuff. And so there's going to be a psychic fair at the same time. Oh, so fun. That yes. should be fun. And um, everything else will be on timingmagic.com. Uh, and I have um, Facebook, Instagram. Most of them are Timing Magic. Facebook, I had to get Timing Magic with Lisa. So, <laughs> because Timing Magic was taken, but that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> we well, can, with, with the we world of seven it. plus billion people, you know, it's, it's hard to hey, find anything. That's speaking of it. which, there's, okay, so one of my assignments recently from a branding uh, exercise I was going to do was uh, to look you up on on uh on google right Mm. and i'm like oh this should be fun so what i did with because my name is so common i actually looked up and saw how many lisa allens there are and there's like well over five thousand in just the usa oh wow so i'm going hmm so now the next exercise was like maybe i could figure out like lisa allen san diego see what happens right Mm -hmm. i come up like i mean it's a little bit further down Lisa Allen, astrologer, bam, that comes right up. Yeah. Like, so. <laughs> yeah. So if I'm ever looking for someone who does astrology, I'll put astrology. You just right put astrologer out. after it. And, yeah. they, and usually, I mean, and if they have a website and if they, if they're on presence, you know, like if they're actually doing stuff and are on social media and they're doing things like they'll pop right up. Yeah. So yes. yeah, I guess I was born with a rather unique name, maybe not Melissa, but LaFera. <laughs> yes. And it's awesome. I love your name. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Um, so yeah, when you look me up, yeah, you'll see things. It's like your husband should take your name, I think. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's so funny if I ever got married, which I don't know if I, I will be that person, the Ur- I, I very Iranian person. <laughs> Personality of me is not um, I understand that. Common. I have a son trying Uranus and I, I can relate. Yeah. It's, it's, I don't necessarily find it important within relationships, but that could be a whole nother podcast in itself. That sure. could be a whole nother podcast <laughs> Maybe for another time. Um, so, all right, we'll go check out Lisa at timingmagic.com. And I'll, of course I'll have all her information on my blog posts and in my, you know, the things that I share. Um, and in order to get that, you know, where can you find me? Well, you can find me at energeticprinciples.com. You can find me on Instagram and Facebook 
Facebook at Energetic Principles, uh, where I have, you know, daily astro alerts that come up and other types of fun things to read and peruse. Um, and uh, if you remember, I mentioned earlier about my Patreon account. So if you'd like to show appreciation for the podcast or sign up for my tarot subscription or the moon horoscopes I write, you can do so on Patreon at patreon.com backslash energetic principles. Um, and of course, if you like what you heard here today, uh, and I definitely want to give a big shout out to Chris Brennan, who gave me a shout out. A few yes, Chris, woohoo! And he brought some people to my podcast, and I'm so grateful for that. So if you're listening from his mention, thank you so much for checking me out, and I'm so glad that you are here. Um, and yes, please spread the word. And last but not least, if you like what you hear, you know, let me know on iTunes because ratings, they matter, people. So if you want to give me a nice rating, a nice one, please, um, I would not uh, object. You know, I'll, I'll put my plutonium sword down and let it happen. <laughs> um, and so, all right. Thank you again, Lisa. You're always a pleasure to talk oh, to. Oh, thank you so much for having me again. I hope that I can like be one of your regulars or something like that. Yes, absolutely. I, I know where and when to call upon you. <laughs> yeah, it, I'm pretty easy to find, right? <laughs> I love it. Well, thank you again. Um, and thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, and as always, may the stars be with you. Mm-hmm.